Welcome to Nomad Yarners, the yarn truck podcast. We're Erica and Dave, a husband and wife mobile yarn shop owners, bringing you tales from the road, adventures in fiber arts with a little bit of the rest of life thrown in. This is episode 99, recorded the week of March 19th, 2020. Today's segments include cabin fever ideas and where's nomads in your mailbox. Sit back, get comfy, and enjoy the show. Hi, everyone. We're going to be doing some special episodes for now because, well, we all know why. I don't need to tell you. Um, so we are at home, the same as the rest of you, and our kids are here too. So we are going to be keeping these episodes for the next few weeks kind of short, but we hope to pack them full of ideas to help you out through this difficult time. So we're going to start with our cabin fever ideas. We hope to do this um, segment over the next few weeks to give you some ideas of things that you can do at home and to stay positive. So Erica, what is your first idea? You are on the list first. <laughs> Okay. It's your turn to go first. Okay. I'm still fighting with the technology. Okay. My first one is something that we can all do um, at home and is great for kids or great for just you. So we all like to decorate things. It's always good fun and the kids like to do things that are messy. So today we played with some paper marbling, um, which I almost guarantee you have enough things at home to give a go. So what you're going to need for this is... So hold on, paper marbling, what in the world is that? What, are, what am I making? So you're making paper that has kind of swirls and twists of uh, kind of color on it. It's what you find in really, really old books, um, often kind of fancier books, um, that have paper that has these kind of swirling sort of marble twirly effects in lots of different colors. Um, it's great for making your own cards and things at home. It's great for kind of lining journals, that kind of thing. Um, this is something that our retreats later in the year we're planning to use as part of our knitting journal decorating class. So I thought this would be a fun thing to try out in a kid safe way, um, but also give you some tips on how to do it at home. Um, so to make the marble paper, you're gonna need a few things. You're gonna need a shallow baking tray or a, a pie pan, something like that something shallow that's going to hold about an inch of water um, and you'll also need it big enough to fit a, whatever size piece of paper you would like to marble. Um, the, Feel free to cut your paper smaller if you only have a small dish. So we use half sheets of letter size paper, those seem to work best for us. If you want to do a full sheet of letter paper you're going to need like a full size cookie sheet to be able to do that. You need a little bit of space to get in and out. So kind of pick a pan, pick your size of paper, the best kind of paper to use for this is something a little bit thicker. Uh, we did it with the kids with uh, some construction paper or sugar paper if you're in the UK, that's what we call it. And you want to pick Really? You call it sugar paper? Yeah, call it sugar paper. I've never heard of I that before. I don't know why. Okay, so I guess I didn't UK. have much need to ask for construction paper in England when I was there. Um, another really good thing to use is a light cardstock or you could use like watercolor paper, something like that. Something that's got some thickness to it. You don't want to use, to use regular sheets of printer paper. That's not going to work all that well. But look around your house, see what you've got. Although if, if that is all that you have, give it a try. Let us know how it went. Yeah, it will work. Just you're going to be getting the whole thing wet. So you want something that's got enough thickness that it's not going to really crinkle up when it's dry. That's the only thing. The marbling will work well, but you won't be able to use the paper as, as well afterwards without kind of some significant attempts to get it to flatten again. So something that's going to stay flat when it's wet and dried. Then you'll need some colors. Now, depending on if you're going to go the kids route or whether you're going to go the adults route, depends on what colors you're going to need and what substrate you're going to put those in. 
Um, and also maybe limited by what you have in your house. Yes. <laughs> so for the kids safe version, what we're going to be doing is floating a layer of colored oil on top of the water. Um, oil is less dense than water. It doesn't mix um, because of some complicated chemistry that I'm not going to go into right now. Um, but the oil will float on top of the water if you pour it in gently. What we're going to be doing is coloring the oil. The oil is what's going to give us the marble effect on our paper. So if you're doing it with kids, you can just take regular vegetable oil and then you can take food coloring. Um, a really good way of picking the food coloring is to choose liquid ones. They just mix up a little bit better. Uh, but you can use the gel ones, you just get a different effect. Also, if you have some liquid watercolors at home, I've seen people recommending these. I didn't have any on hand, so we didn't use those. Um, that's about the one art supply we don't have in our house. Um, but you're gonna need some like small jars or small ramkins or something to mix the colors in. Um, if you were doing the grown-up version, you can use oil paints and mineral spirits. That's going to give you the best result. The mineral spirits are really nice and clean and clear. They will still float on top of your water. And you can use a whole variety of different oil colors. And that's 100% soluble in those mineral spirits. That's what you use to make um, oil washes. That's what you use to clean your brushes. So whichever colors you're going to choose, whether you're going to use the kids safe version or the adult version, if you're using the adult version, make sure you're putting it in a pan that you don't want to use for food later. Um, you're going to mix a small amount, say about a pea-sized amount or a few drops of your colour into your ramkin or jar, whatever you have, um, with about a, a half a teaspoon to a teaspoon of oil or the mineral spirits. And then you're going to mix it away. So use whatever mixing tool you have. Again, if you're using the oil paint version, you want to use something that isn't for food. Mix them up until you have a pretty good looking kind of color dispersed or dissolved in the oil. And do that for a few colors. Uh, we did ours with three at most. Uh, if you get much beyond that, it's, it can really easily end up kind of looking murky and over the top. I will pick your colors to be the ones that are gonna contrast the best. So you'll want to pick like red and green and blue, something like that. So you get a really good mix. Then take a few drops of each color. Um, you can just gently pour those on top of your water. And you'll see the color is gonna sit on the top. You might, depending on how soluble your color is in water, see the water color slightly underneath, but that's not gonna really make a huge difference to your project. And then give it a light stir with your stirring tools. And you'll see the oil kind of mix up on the surface and the colors will start to blend in with each other. You may know that some colors end up still staying in dots and not swirling, but that's fine. And then all you're going to do is take your sheet of thickened paper, lay it gently so it's suspended on the top of the water. Wait just a few seconds for you to see the colors kind of appear on your piece and then lift it out and you are done. You've marbled some paper. It's really that simple. If I can give the incredibly shortened version, what I thought Dave was going to say, put a little tiny bit of oil in a cup, put a few drops of food coloring in it, stir it up, dump it on top of some water in a shallow pan and then gently lay a piece of paper on top of it and let it set for three seconds and then pick the paper up. That's the summary <laughs> of what you're doing. That is what it looked like with the children. And then you're ready to go. So when that paper is dry, the, the oil will soak into the paper so it won't end up with a lot of oily residue on your piece. You're not reusing very much oil at all so it's not going to soak into it too much. And you're ready to use it as soon as it's dry. Yep, they look cool, even with 
<laughs> very non-ideal, like gel food colorings without a lot of color options and a two and a four-year-old helping us. The paper looks quite cool. So I'm excited. So Erica, on to your first piece. Uh, you are going to talk about mending. I am indeed going to talk about mending. So I have a gigantic mending bag. Whenever there is something that is messed up, um, that needs some any of our clothes that need some help that we still like enough that we would want to continue to wear them, I shove them in the same bag. Um, and this bag is now overflowing. And I never have any desire to do mending um, until now. <laughs> For whatever reason, I am channeling my stress towards wanting to do nothing except mending projects, which I'll take. It's okay. Um, it is a useful thing to be doing, I guess. Um, so I just wanted to encourage you, if you similarly have a mending bag, or if you just have clothes in your closet that you know want some help and you haven't gotten around to doing them until now, um, uh, if you happen to have a needle and thread, Again, my weird stress is making me want to sew things by hand rather than use my sewing machine, which is unheard of for me. I normally hate hand sewing and don't do a lot of it, um, mostly because I'm bad at it. Um, and my stitches are really messy looking as opposed to sewing machine based stitches. Um, but for some reason right now, I've been wanting to sit on the couch with mending in my lap and a needle and thread in my hand. Um, and so I have been um, mending a lot of just rips in things. Um, Possibly TMI, but Dave has a lot of pants that he just rips giant holes in the crotches of. I'm not sure exactly how it happens. I have never ripped a pair of pants in that way, um, but I had like three of them of Dave's um, and uh, like a coat of my dad's. He got a, it snagged on something and ripped a big hole in the sleeve of it. Um, uh, Dave similarly in one of his shirts ripped a gigantic gaping hole in the in the sleeve of it. So any of these like rips just in the middle of the fabric, none of these were on seam lines at all. They were just the body of the fabric ripped ripped apart. Um, I was mending all of these the same way. Basically, um, I took a scrap of fabric from something else. So I have a big bag every time I'm cutting anything or doing anything in the sewing room and I'm generating little scraps, I throw all of my scraps into the same big scrap bag. Um, so I have the luxury of being able to, when I'm doing a midnight project like this, pick a scrap of fabric that is a similar color um, to the fabric that I'm mending. Um, but you're not really going to see this fabric, well, you're not at all going to see this fabric from the outside. Um, so if you have a scrap of anything, um, or if you have several things that need mending and one of them is too far gone to really be mended, cut that apart and use that to mend all the other pieces. Um, so I just take a scrap of fabric. I have pinking shears, so when I'm cutting the fabric to the size of the hole, and you want it to be a little bit bigger than the, the hole that you're mending the fabric, I'm cutting cutting the fabric with pinking shears so that the mending fabric in the on the back on the inside um, is not as likely to unravel. Um, I could also serge the edges. I have a serger, but I'm just not wanting to sit down at machines right now, so that's not what I'm using. Um, I then stick the fabric on the inside, so on the inside of the shirt sleeve or the, the pants, um, and then I use safety pins and I pin it in place. So I kind of close up the, um, the gash in the fabric to the best of my ability with the um, backer fabric in place, pin everything together. So it kind of looks fixed, 
um, the extra fabric is attached there to the back with the safety pins and the hole is, is closed up. Um, and then I just take a needle and thread. Um, I have been using colors that, that sort of match the fabric that I'm using, um, but visible mending has become quite a trendy thing. And so if you only have one color of thread um, or you don't have a thread the same color as your garment, that's okay, don't let it stop you. Um, and then I am just threading my needle, tying a knot, um, and uh, stitching. I'm kind of, I don't know what any stitches are called. I'm not looking up how to do this, um, but I'm just closing it up, going over and under um, the fabric to first close the hole, like close the gap, take the two edges. I go from the first edge of mist or of, of, the, um, of the cut in the fabric come up on on the first side go across the bridge where there's no fabric where the fabric is torn and then go down on the other side and i'm trying to go not right on the very very edges of the tear but in just a little bit into where the fabric is a little bit more sturdy because right at the very edges is a lot of the fabrics are a little bit frayed um, and then just making sure that i'm going all the way through the fabric the extra piece of fabric that's on the inside so that i'm like securing that with an extra bit of fabric and so I'm just stitching like that all the way um, to close the actual hole. Um, and then I'm taking my needle and thread. And I, I think it is related to a, suddenly my brain just went completely blank. Shishimo? That's not right. The Sashimi? Japanese <laughs> That's not right either. That's raw fish. Um, that sounds good. I could go for some <laughs> right now. Um, the Japanese mending style of, of with a lot of the visible mending is is doing that. It starts with the letter S, and I'm just it was in my it was on the tip of my tongue, and then as soon as I needed to say it, I forgot what what it was. Um, but I'm just going basically just a running stitch up and like a little quarter of an inch um, across the top, and then under like go down through both pieces of fabric, go a quarter of an inch underneath come up go a quarter of an inch up above the fabric go down a quarter of an inch underneath the fabric um, so that you're getting these quarter of an inch stitches visible on the right side of your fabric if you do it with the contrasting color it has a big punch if you do it with a non-contrasting color it's just a texture difference and it's supposedly um, add some extra strength and stability to the fabric surrounding it. So I have been doing a little bit of that around the, the mend, um, in part to use the rest of the yarn that was threaded through my needle, um, and in part because I kind of thought, well, if they broke it, like if Dave made a big hole in the crotch of his pants once, maybe making the fabric beside it a little extra strong may make that not happen again as quickly. And you've talked about other visible mending techniques a couple of episodes back, I think, didn't you? I think so. Um, it's something I've been playing with for a while. I've not done tons of it just because I don't normally enjoy hand mending, um, and so I tend to do things on the sewing machine more. Um, but the only way to get better at a skill is to do it more, so I'm doing it more um, because that's what I want. And Dave, why don't you give us your next tip? We decided we each do two. So Dave, tell, <laughs> us, the, tell us the second one. Minimizing. I know a lot of people have been listening to our minimizing and, and seeing it through our Facebook page, and we've definitely had a few comments saying, oh, I wish I could do that. I wish I had the time to do that. Well, guess what? Now you do. <laughs> um, Some so, of you, a lot of you do. There are definitely people who are insanely busy right now um, thinking true. about nurses and public health workers and people working in warehouses to ship us all of our things and a million other very necessary and appreciated jobs. Um, but a lot of us have suddenly more time at home unexpectedly. So if you're one of those people, you can you can do some minimizing now. We're not going to say you have to, 
But if you're feeling overwhelmed by the amount of things that you have in your house, especially now that you're there for more hours a day, do some minimizing. Um, a good place to start is an area that you find is the most disrupted. Um, now might be a good time to look through your craft room, but also be a really good way of getting some kind of inspiration about things you want to do, or just look at materials and go, you know what, I'm never going to use this. Um, and maybe pass it along and do a porch pickup for a friend that you know who might use it. Um, they're stuck at home too, probably want something to do. Um, another good place for I will, to... Just, to, just to have a tiny little interruption there, I joined not that long ago a group, uh, a local buy nothing group, um, where you can put up things that you, it's very much in keeping with sort of building community and um, using the resources around you um, and kind of sharing and give and take. Um, but you can post up if you have something that you would like to pass on to someone else who can use it. Um, and then you can go on there and look and see or ask for something that you might want. Um, so this might be a good time to get um, to see if you have a local branch of those uh, as well and see if that there might be something that you would like to do. Um, so I had asked um, just recently if anybody had any small glass jars, like a baby food jar size, um, for us to put some of our bulk spices in. Um, and I got a bag full of, um, of those kind of jars um, picked up from somebody's front porch this morning um, that we then have already put our, um, put our spices in. So this might be a good time, a nice way to connect with other community members, um, even though you're not um, able to go out into the community as much anymore. Um, another good choice at this time might be minimize your wardrobe. If you've been meaning to do this, if there's lots of items in there that you don't really love, um, we're coming into the spring now. Um, a lot of people will be switching out what they have in their wardrobe anyway, thinking you're getting some new pieces. If you go to the store and find that you just don't know what to get, you, this year you can be more prepared. Um, all the stores are closed right now, so you may as well work out what you have. Um, Pick out, even try every item of clothing you have on. You could even do a fashion show if there's someone else at home that you want to keep entertained. And or maybe a fun activity to do with a friend if you have somebody that you can video, um, like video call with. Um, and you guys both just take turns trying on, um, trying on your clothes or just holding them up and asking for advice and opinions. Um, so yeah, just if you feel like you want to do some minimizing and you're tripping over things in your life, now is a good time to do it. Um, we are spending a lot of time at home, we're doing some more minimizing, but we're also doing a lot of home projects we've been meaning to do, a lot of yarn projects we've been meaning to do. So, Erica, why don't you talk about some yarn projects? <laughs> I had gone a little nuts with um, gardening ideas already before any of this stuff started. By the way, if you're listening to this in the future and you have no idea what we're talking about, let's hope that that happens and that this is a, a thing that is easy enough to have forgotten about in five years that you don't know what we're talking about. We are talking about the coronavirus or COVID-19 um, that has, has made everybody sort of self-quarantined um, for the last week um, or more in some places or less in some places. Um, I feel like this is going to be something that you're going to hear grandparents talk about in, in years' time. It's going to be, well, during the pandemic, 
<laughs> anyway, um, so before all of this started a few weeks ago, I had gone a little bit nuts with ordering seeds and purchasing seeds from local places. Um, and I kind of decided that our kids were big enough this year that we could actually like they could play outside while we were doing garden work um, and they could help us when they were in the mood or run around in circles. Um, uh, however they were feeling. Um, Not today, though. I'm just looking out yeah, the window and seeing um, water just pouring out of our downspouts. <laughs> um, so I was kind of, I was already in that mindset. Um, and so we have been starting seeds. Um, and uh, we have a lot of seeds started. We have a lot, we've done a lot of pruning of our fruit trees. Um, fruit trees need much more pruning. Davis picked up a seed packet of alpine strawberries, which is what Yeah, I was just going to say, we have uh, the seeds have made their way onto the computer that we're recording. <laughs> I'm doing a lot with seeds. Um, but we are taking this opportunity as the right time of year for it anyways, to kind of get the garden and the yard prepped. Um, we do have more in the way. We, we don't have so much in the way of vegetable beds or garden beds, um, but we have a lot of fruit options um, in our house. We have 17 fruit trees um, that are all at least five years old. Some of them are six years old. Um, we basically in, put in an orchard the year we moved into our house. Um, that was six years ago. That doesn't include the pear that's nearly as old as the house and the two persimmons that are on our property too. Yeah, so we have a lot of fruit. Um, and then we have blueberry bushes and raspberry bushes and grapevines and blackberries. Um, and strawberries. Um, and blueberry sticks, let's be honest. Blueberries yeah, don't the do blueberries very well. And we, we didn't fertilize. <laughs> they need acidic soil, and we haven't ever done that. We bought the fertilizer. Um, it doesn't actually magically get to the blueberries if you do not spread it around the blueberries. Um, we're working on it. So we've been pruning fruit, fruit trees. Um, uh, some of them hadn't been pruned in several years and were desperate. Like, it took us an hour to prune each tree. Um uh, pruning fruit trees, pruning back all of the soft fruit bushes and, and all of that kind of thing. And we are um, in the process of making some raised beds to actually do vegetables here. We had all of our vegetables were um, at the shop. Uh, we lived above the shop and we turned the entire yard at the, at the shop. We didn't have any grass. Um, we turned it all into vegetable beds. Um, but then we had kids and we moved out of the shop and all of the stuff. So um, we're going to be adding some vegetable beds this year. Um, and have been starting a lot of seeds. It's kind of fun just to watch them grow. Um, I've not ever done a lot of seed starting before. Um, so we have, God, I don't even know. Uh, we probably have 20 of those. Hundreds, hundreds of seeds. What, what are those things called that they're in? Like the, the, the little like cell things. Um, so they're the like black plastic. Uh, when you go and buy like bedding plants at the store, they're black plastic. We have the compostable ones because we're us um and but they're like like paper pulp in the same shape as like an egg box ones. if you have egg boxes as well you can use those but we don't have as many egg boxes as seeds seeds you want plant um so we i don't know we probably have 20 of those um those the little seed starting cell things and each one has 10 on there so we probably have 200 baby seeds seedlings going so far. um so far yeah i'm probably gonna plant another another 50 to 125 strawberries yeah, in this packet probably, I think Erica will probably pump more I'm probably going to do that this, this anyway we have been doing a lot in the in the garden prep area and just going outside and getting some fresh air I feel like has been really good for everybody um, and I'm bummed that it's raining today but honestly we may put on our rain boots and go outside anyway um, for at least a little bit so you can still go outside um, 
you can't go and see people, but you can go and see the outside. So plant some seeds, grow some things on the ground, go for a walk. Um, that's a really good way of just feeling better about the world. Get some sunshine on you. Yep. Um, so, Dave, why don't you take us into our one remaining segment? Where's Nomad? In your mailbox. Um, so, obviously, we're not out on the truck right now. Um, all of our locations that we will normally stop out have either very restricted hours with curbside pickup only, or, or they're closed. And we have decided that we're not going to try and rearrange spots or try and stop at those places. With the size of the truck, if once we get two or three people in there, everyone's going to be really close together. And we want to make sure that everyone is staying safe and at home. But we are still doing all of our regular things. So we have our online store, it's store.nomadyarnshop.com. We would love you to go and check that out, see everything that we have on the truck. We got a bunch of cool products on there. There are a couple of things that we still need to add on. Um, we go and check those out and we've made sure to do some special things for this time of year. So we still have a few of our uh, pallet tubes available for our spring colorway. We go through a lot of those during Rovi, Indiana, so there's not too many of them left. But if you'd like to grab that spring, spring gradient, uh, check it out now. And that includes some seed bombs. So when you're out on all of your walks, um, you can throw a seed bomb every once in a while and watch as the weeks progress to see your plants grow. And a extra special thing we decided to do is mystery boxes. If you want to have some fun up here in your mailbox, go and check them out. Um, these are at a pretty good discount. Um, the more value you get, um, or the higher priced box you get, the better value you get in these boxes. They are fun surprises delivered to your door with packed full of yarn, tools, swag, all kinds of things. Uh, so we have them at 25 $50 and $100 values, and you're going to get, um, with the $25, at least $30 worth of stuff in it. With the $60, the $50 one, you get at least $65 worth of stuff in it. And if you get the $100 one, we put at least $135 worth of stuff in that. Um, and there is some options to uh, get a knitting or crochet version. That way, if we're going to put tools or needles or hooks in it, we make sure we get you the right tools for what you uh, most like to do. And we do ask you for anything, if you have a preference for kind of thickness or um, fiber content or anything like that. Um, there is a little box there as well to give us some guides to make sure we can really make sure box worthwhile. Yeah, so if you are allergic to wool or hate working with cotton, um, let us know. We will not put whatever the thing is that you don't like to use in, in your box. Um, other than that, once an evening, as those orders come rolling in, I go out to our, um, our stock room and out to the truck and pack them all up. And we've had the first few have been received now. We started this earlier in the week. Uh, we're having some good messages back that people are really enjoying these boxes. So go and check those out. Those will be available um, for a while throughout, as, however long the shutdown is going. You can order yourself or somebody else a nice little surprise. Um, if you would like us to put a message um, or something in the box, just drop us an email and I can get my Sharpie and write on the lid of the box a, a personal message. Or if you do um, want to do what they do with pizza delivery companies, I will probably even draw you a dragon if you really want me to. Uh, <laughs> you not seen that? No. The special delivery, special instructions box on um, pizza delivery websites. People have been putting in like draw me a dragon or um, like draw me a self portrait or make the pepperoni a smiley face. So if you want to do something really silly, I'll probably accommodate those to you. 
It just popped into my head. I'm going to draw in your um, drawing skills here in a little bit. Poppy has requested that I turn a boring t-shirt of hers uh, that I wanted to send to donate that she really wanted to keep because she wanted to use it to make a beautiful dinosaur dress. Well, I don't have any fabric with dinosaurs on it, so I'm going to get you to draw pictures of dinosaurs on some fabric that I do have. Okay, so... I lack the ability to draw anything. We better um, wrap up this short episode before the kids wake up from their naps. Um, so do check out there. Um, there are some other things you can check out as well. Um, so we have our basically our full range of things on our website. Um, if you check out our Facebook and Instagram right now, um, we are running some free pattern specials and some other specials will be coming out over the next few weeks. And also every Tuesday evening we'll be running a virtual knitting club through Zoom, uh, which is a free uh, meeting service. So you can log on to that. Um, and then we're putting out some video content for mini tutorials and things as well. So if you're not on our social media, go check those out. If you're not on our newsletter, uh, go check that out on our website too. And go and find all the special items we have at store.nomadyarnshop.com. And stay tuned to this channel because we will be doing some even cooler specials um, and some upcoming uh, deals and things going into the future, including some new hand dyes um, coming out very soon. So Thanks for listening. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, Ravelry, and our website, nomadjarnshop.com. And remember, in crafting and in life, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. Thank you.